So get your notes out and let's go. We're on part three of this series called Servolution. All right? Servolution. What is Servolution. It is a complete and radical change of a person's life caused by the simple acts of kindness for the glory of God. And we've talked about serving, and we've been talking about that now. We do this every summer because next month on the 18th, we're going to have a big Servolution Day. And we've already talked to several areas and the uh, people and, and community situations. And we're going to be at the Curry House down the street, the program for boys. We're going to be doing all their lawn. And, and we've been in there ministering, talking with them. And, and uh, the uh, capstone up here that deals with special needs kids, we're going to be doing painting inside there. And they were like, really? Why do y'all want to do that? I said, because we're a church. We want to help our community. And we want to provide the paint, too. And they were like, whoa. And, and then the Asian lady right up here has got the uh, sewing business down the road. Uh, I stopped in. I was meeting with her and talking with her, and she's Buddhist, by the way, and we're Christian. And I said, can we come and just do all of your landscape here? Because it looks horrible, to be honest with you. It looks bad. And, and she's a singer. She's got a kid. And she was like, you really would do that? And she again said, well, why would you do that? And I said, because Jesus loves you, and we just want to be a way to show you how much he loves you. And she's like, sure, come on. And so we're going to be doing that. we got other places. So on this big day, we're just going to go out in the community as a church body and just serve our community in simple acts of kindness. Amen? And so, but we don't want you to do it on one day. We want it to become lifestyle, that we all do it every day. Let's go to our text, 2 Corinthians. Got to run quick. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all, say all, all of our affliction. How I many is glad God's been there for you when you needed him? Amen. But why did he do that? So that we may now be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God's saying, I have comforted you in your affliction. Now go comfort others in the affliction that they're battling today with the same comfort that I have given to you. And that's what servolution is all about. But today I want to talk to you about living the generous life. Living the generous life. So don't hold on to your wallet. I'm not after your money. Because generosity is a lifestyle, not an act. That I want to talk to you about establishing a lifestyle of generosity, living the generous life. All right, let's get ready to roll. Our text today on this part is out of 2 Corinthians also. Let's look at it together. You will be made rich in every way. Four people got that right there. You will be made rich in every way. Okay, I'm up to about a fourth. You will be made rich in every way. Okay. I'll six and stop right there, all right? How many can handle some of that? Come on. This is the Bible. This is God's word speaking to us. You will be made rich in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. He's not just talking about your money. How many would like more joy than you need? How many would like more peace than you require to live a peaceful life? How many would like some health that doesn't keep breaking down? I mean, you know, how many would like more money than you need to pay your bills so you could help feed somebody else's hungry? That's what he's saying, that you will be made rich in every way. Why? So that you can be generous. How many knows that you can only give out of what you have? So that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving unto God. And so when the word generosity is mentioned, 
Who would come to your mind as someone who impacted you personally through an act of kindness that you'll never forget? How many's got somebody immediately that would just come to your mind? I mean, they did something for you. They showed up in your hour of crisis. They came in your time of need, and they blessed you with a blessing that's impacting you still today. You would not be here to where you are today had someone not blessed you in such a way. And so I want to talk to you today, first of all, on the characteristics, get your notes out, the characteristics of a generous life. Jesus is approached one day by the religious leaders who confront him with a question, and they did that often because they always wanted to trap him. And so they confront Jesus with a question, and they said, Lord, what do we have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds back, as he normally did, with another question, and said, but what does the Scripture say? And so they respond back to Jesus and said, well, the Scripture says to love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your body, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus comes back with another question. He says, all of that is true. Now, who's your neighbor? Who is your neighbor that you're to love as you love yourself? And then Jesus comes in and he tells them a story to teach them a lesson and we find it in Luke chapter 10, and Jesus tells us about a man who is leaving Jerusalem, and he's headed down to Jericho. Jerusalem's above sea level. Jericho's below sea level. Jerusalem is known as the city of God. Jericho's known as the city of sin. And the Bible says that he is leaving Jerusalem and headed down to Jericho. How many knows anytime you leave the presence of God for the presence of sin, you're headed down? And he was headed down to Jericho, and the Bible tells us that there was a known path that robbers and thieves would wait, and they would attack people along this journey through the wilderness. And this man is now attacked by these thieves, and the Bible says they have stripped him of everything that he owned, stripped him of his raiment, they have beat him. He is now left bloody and beaten and robbed. And while he's laying there, one day a priest comes by. And as the man looked up, he saw this priest and he said, thank God, help us finally come. Here's a priest. This priest is going to stop and help me. He's a student of the word. And if anyone will help me, the priest will. And the Bible says that the priest looked upon him from a distance, but passed by on the other side. He refused to stop and give aid. And now the man's feeling hopeless, but then comes a Levite. And a Levite was one who prepared the temple. He prepared the temple for worship. And he thought, well, if the priest left me, here's a Levite. He prepares the temple, the house of God. Surely he'll stop by. And he did the same. He looked upon him, but then he passed by on the other side. The two that were qualified and should have stopped passed him by. But then it goes to our text. Let's read it together. It says, but then the Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He then put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, and a denarii at that time was really uh, the value of 10 donkeys. And so he gave the value of 20 donkeys to the innkeeper and said, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you have. And so I want us to look today and use this story as an example to show us five characteristics of what a person will possess when they're living a generous life. How many wants generosity to become lifestyle, not just an act? Amen? 
And I'm going to show you why you want that to be real in your life. Number one, true generosity is a love that looks beyond itself. When, when you really begin to live a life of generosity, you will love and have a love that looks beyond itself. The Bible said the good Samaritan, by the way, who is the only one that qualified not to stop. The priest and Levite, by religious law, was demanded to stop and help him. The Samaritan was not supposed to be involved. It was a cultural issue. They were not supposed to connect the two. And so he was the one that had a right to go by, but he didn't. He stopped because he had a love that looked beyond himself. For in verse 33, it says that when he saw him, he took pity on him. And the Greek word for pity there is where we get our word today called compassion. That he looked upon this man and his heart was moved with compassion. Isn't that what Jesus did when he was in the temple that day teaching? And the Bible said he looked out and saw a multitude of people scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And he was moved with compassion because of their situation. And when you and I are living a life of generosity, we will have a love that looks beyond itself. The first characteristic of a generous life is a love that requires us to look beyond us. And how many know society has turned into a me society? It's about me. It's all about me. But what act of kindness did you and I do this week that impacted someone's life? What did we do in the last seven days that truly made an impact on someone's life? a prayer that they desperately needed, a bowl of soup for someone that was sick, a phone call for a friend that just needed someone to remind them that they were being thought of, a handshake or, or a lawn mode or, or something. But what have I done that was an act of kindness that would impact someone's life to show that I simply love and care for them? I love John Bunyan's statement. He said, you have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you back. You have not lived today until you have done something for someone who will never have the potential of paying you back. Amen. Now I'm living a generous life because I'm not giving to get back. I'm giving because I've already been given to. That I'm living a life where love goes beyond myself. Colossians 3.12. Read it with me. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with Compassion, a love that looks beyond itself. Number two is a willingness to invest time. Say time. A willingness to invest time in others. How many wants to change people's lives with the hope of Jesus? Let me tell you something, folks. That's not going to happen every day on a Sunday morning. It's going to happen when you and I begin to invest time into people. That we begin to sow time into people. The Bible says in verse 34a that when he saw him, he went to him. He took the time to go to the need. He took time. The second characteristic of a generous heart is that you will take time to sow and invest in others. Can I say this to you today? Most people mismanage their time more than they do their money. God gave us all 24 hours a day. The average person is going to sleep about eight of those. Some of us do less and some do way more. I'm like, why be alive if you're going to sleep 12 hours a day? I don't know. Anyway, all right. But you, you've got to realize that God has given all of us time. The question is, where do you invest your time? Do I manage my time? Time is the most valuable resource we have. It's time. How do you invest yours? 
You see, a good steward, a generous person, is a good steward of their time. Investing in others to them is like a stockbroker investing into stock. That they see people as a great investment opportunity. And my wife and I chose that years ago intentionally. And we don't have a massive portfolio built up for our retirement. We don't. But we made a choice early that we want to invest in people. We, literally, we want to invest money in people. Then We want to invest time in people. We want to invest what God has given us into people. We want to invest in people. And you know what? We've got an eternal bank account stored up in heaven. And every time we have a need in our household, there's something meeting it. God's, he said out of man's bosom, I will give back to you. I will bless you. And we're walking testimonies that when you sow time into people who just need your time, they need some other things with it, but they need your time. You're investing in an eternal investment that will always bring return back to you. Always. People need our time. Watch this in Ecclesiastes 3.17. God will bring judgment both to the righteous and to the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. What is that saying? We will be judged one day on how we managed our time. How did we use our time? Was it all about us? Was it all about fun? Was it all about, and believe me, I'm, I love to have fun, man. I was fishing yesterday morning. Early. Got my kayak, and we're doing some fishing. Loving it. I'm going to have some fun. But you know what? My fun comes after that I know that I've spent my life meeting somebody else's need with some time, with some love, and that we understand that we must radically, radically change our mindset on how we use our time. Most people who are hurting around you today, they're not in need of your $20 bill. They just need about 20 minutes of your time. They need to just know that you care, that you'll stop on the job and go, hey, your countenance is telling me something's wrong. Look, what's going on? Can I, can I just be a friend right now and pray for you? They just need your time. You got a neighbor right across the street in your subdivision, in your apartment complex that just needs a few minutes of your time. You got somebody in the Walmart walk the line that just needs a moment of your time. Look at people's countenance. Watch their actions. It's telling us people are hurting. They're despondent. They just need a moment of your time. And we become generous people, our time becomes part of what we give. Radical transformation of people's lives demands our time. It's going to take us sowing time into people. Slow down our world so we can impact somebody else's world. You've got to invest time. We're creating church in our church all these small groups. And out of our small groups, we're creating mentorship. And we've got many of those going on now. Next week, up for three days and two nights, pray for me. I'm bringing about eight. We've got eight of our, our older teenage boys that are leaders in our youth group that we, we visualize that. And half of them are, are, are of minorities and half of them are Caucasian. And I'm spending three days with them because I'm not going to let the young people of this church grow up living what's going on out there. And we're bringing them together for three days and we're going to talk life and we're going to talk stuff and we're going to talk reality and we're going to deal with stuff and we're going to talk character and we're going to talk integrity and we're going to talk about obedience and we're going to talk talk about respect and justice and we're going to talk about dreams and future and we're bringing them together and we're going to talk you know what these young men leading the youth group of this church are going to grow up raising up an army of young men that don't see through the color they see through Christ and 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 they don't see through social standings and they see justice and injustice and and we're going to build the kingdom of God and we're going to speak we're going to mentor what's that take time and I'm 56 years old, man. I just can't imagine three days with teenagers. They're going to kill me. 
So pray for me next week, all right? But no, we're going to have a blast. We're going to play hard. I've already got competition set up. We're going to play, and the old man's going to win. I'm going to win because I'm in charge, man, all right? And, uh, but what am I saying? If you're going to impact people's lives, you've got to be willing to sow time into them. Put some time in, all right? Number three, you see, why do I say that? Pity will touch your wallet, but compassion will get to your heart. Pity will get a $20 bill, but compassion will get 20 and time. And the world's needing our compassion. Compassion of Christ alive in us. Number three, and I've got to go quick. The third characteristic is there'll be a willingness to use our abilities and resources at hand. That when you live a generous life, you'll be willing to use your ability and the resources at hand. God's not asking you to use anything he hadn't already given you. He's not going to ask you to give anything that you don't possess. He just wants you to use the abilities that are at hand. The Bible says in in the scripture that this good Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, which was very expensive in that day. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. You see, a generous attitude in life will love, spend time, but also give of its abilities and resources that it has. Generosity is the condition of our heart, not of our wallet. And God is not and will never ask you to give anything that you do not already possess. There's a homeless person out there that has no shoes. How many extra pair do we have in our closet? There's people going hungry on our street corners. How much food did we put in the trash can this week? How much food did we let spoil because it outdated its date? We let it sit in our shelf for months. While another man down the street just wanted one can. Come on, let's think about it today. That we realize that God has given all of us certain abilities. And and you may not have a $40 in your wallet, but you know what? God lets you be the one that knows how to cook. You can fix a meal for someone. or, Or like I said last Sunday, when it's raining, man, I head to Walmart. What an opportunity, bud. Get the umbrella out and just stand there and wait for people coming out that don't have an umbrella. And I ask them, could I help you to the car? I haven't been told no yet. And they're like, can I give you something? No, can I give you something? It's called a something extra to show you God loves your card. I don't want anything. I'm here because I just want to sew something in. I can carry an umbrella. It's a great ability God's given me. Doesn't require a lot, does it? And it's just us thinking out of the box and finding ways that we can impact people's lives with acts of kindness. In 1 Peter 4.10, read it with me. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God's saying, just take whatever gift I've given you, passions that you have, things you enjoy doing, now go serve somebody with it. Just go serve somebody with the gift that's inside of you. All right, and, and listen, some of you have a gift of encouragement. Let me tell you, one of the greatest mission fields in our community is an ICU waiting room. Everybody there is desperate. When my family sat in the waiting room, we sat in there for months with my son who was on life support for two and a half months. And I'm gonna tell you something, if a Buddhist, a Catholic, a Jehovah Witness, anybody else walked in there, I'm told every day your son's dead and he's not gonna live. I'm like, anybody believes in anything, pray for me. I'm just being real with you, all right? Now, I knew where the answer was coming. 
But you're desperate when you're being told life's over, when the world's come to an end. I want to tell you, there's a mission field up there. They don't need your money right now. They need somebody that would just love on them for a few minutes and pray a prayer for them that can heal their relative and let them go home well. It's just compassion. It's finding mission fields to share the love of Jesus. Number four is generous people intentionally give money for eternal purposes. Yeah, it does touch your wallet. Why? Because when God has your money, he has you. When God owns my money, he owns me now because that's the last thing we give him. All right? Look in verse 35. The next day he took two denarii and gave to the innkeeper and said, look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll also reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. You see, he gave his love, he gave his time, he gave his abilities and resources, but he also gave his money. Billy Graham put it like this. He said, when you get the giving thing right, all the other errors of your life fall in place. When you've got that tithing and that sowing right, every other area of your life starts falling in place. It really does. I got some hands even waving on that one. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach that one again. But it really is true. Romans 12, 13. Look at what it says. Share with God's people who are in need. What does that take? Money. Financial blessing comes with a responsibility to give out of what God has given to you. That you, you give, the gift of giving. And, and here's the key to that. Do this. I've done this way back, but do this. I want you to take your hands because here's how a lot of people live their life. They're closed fist. And you see, when I'm closed fist, I'm living life all about me. I don't have anything because my fists are closed. You can't receive when your fists are closed, by the way. And when your fists are closed, you can't give. And so people live a frustrated life their whole life because they're not giving and they're not receiving because their fists are closed. All of us have a few of those in our life we know about. They live miserable. They're always blaming other people for their crisis. They're not changing anything about their situation. They just live closed fifth. I'm not getting, I'm not giving. And when you quit giving to me, I'm mad at you. But open your hands. And open hands have the two opportunities. One is to receive and the other is to give. And when I learn to live an open hand, then what I own, God owns it. And if he wants to give through me, I give it. But I'm also at the place that I can receive back for him when he wants to give back. Because he said, when you give into me in 2 Corinthians 9, when you sow, he said, I'll give back to you and more so that you can give more so I can sow back to you more. And now I've stepped into a non-ending cycle of sowing and reaping in the kingdom of God. Because I've learned the principles of giving. And so if we understand that, what are the benefits? I've got to really give these to you quick. What are the benefits of a generous life? And the Apostle Paul teaches that in 2 Corinthians 9, but I want to just give you the points very quick. How many wants to know the benefits of living a generous life? Because how many wants to live generously? And, and as we shared in these five points, just giving out of ourselves to others, the first thing that's going to come back to you is the favor of God. The favor of God is going to rest on your life. Psalms 12, 5 says, Good will come to him who is generous. Good will come to him who is generous. And I teach my children growing up, the favor of God is more valuable than wealth. The favor of God is more valuable than wealth. 
And Kathy and I are examples of that as, as we have given. We don't, we don't, we're not millionaires, but we get to live like one. We go places, we go on trips. We've been blessed in Hawaii twice and Jamaica and we've been to Israel and we were just in St. Simon's Island having a blast and we don't make a ton of money, but we have favor of God because most of those trips somebody else did for it. And I don't mind them when I ain't paying for them, you know what I'm saying? But I'm saying the blessing of God and, and then when we needed a house in Kentucky, we just became assistant pastors. We didn't have the money for down payment. And, and, and we had to have over $3,000 just for the down payment. And we didn't know, we weren't gonna get the house because we didn't have the money. 32 men from the church we were gonna be the assistant pastor at pulled together 100 bucks each and they paid the down payment. And our realtor called us and said, hey, your down payment just got turned in. I said, who did that? He goes, they don't want you to know. I said, okay, I don't care. But then we didn't have any furniture because we'd moved out of a motor home into that house. And, and a guy that owns a furniture store, Vern, Vern Baldwin in Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, Hamilton, Ohio, he called and said, Dan, I want you to come. I own a furniture store. I want to bless you. Well, I know what bless means. That's usually I want to sell you something. So I didn't go. And for months I didn't go. He kept calling me, Dan, come on, I want to bless you. So finally Kathy and I went just to be friends. And, and I said, look, all I want is dinette. Dinette, nothing but dinette, all right? And he said, okay, I got you. And, and so he called his woman together that does all of her decorating. And, and he said, I want you to take them and I want you to furnish every room of their house, start with a bedroom. And I went, no, no, no. Now we're doing dining room. And she takes us to the bedroom area. And I'm going, we ain't buying one. She goes, just follow me, all right? And, and so we followed her through the whole thing, spent hours there. And she comes together and puts this whole house furnished with top of the line, solid wood cherry furniture. And, and it was over $20,000 worth of furniture. And I went, uh-huh, we ain't doing that. We're talking dinette, all right, dinette, okay? And not the one you picked out either. And so Vern comes in the room and he goes, what's up? And I go, we ain't, Vern, love you, bro, but we can't do that. And he goes, no, nah, I told you I want to bless you. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell you that dinette set for under $3,000. And it was over seven. He said, I'm going to sell you the dinette for under $3,000. He said, you just send me a payment if it's five a month or 10 a month, whatever you want, whenever you can. He said, the rest of it I'm giving you. Wow. Furnish my whole house. We still have some of that furniture today, 35 years later. I want to tell you something. That's called the favor of God, my friend. And I want to tell you something. When you live a generous life and you sow unto other people, the favor of God rests upon you and your household, and God will show up in ways that will blow your mind. We didn't have, we, our vehicle messed up. And, and I showed up at church in Kentucky one day, and this guy's in there, and there's this sharp black Toyota truck out front. And, and I walked in, and he goes, man, did you see that truck? I said, yeah, I did. That was cool. That thing's sharp. And he goes, go get in it. And I go, why? It's unlocked. And I said, yeah. He said, yeah. I went and sat in it, and there's a title with my name on it. And he said, enjoy your truck. God told me to bless you and your wife. I can tell you a hundred stories like that because the favor of God is upon you if you learn to live a generous life. Come on. And so let's go. Number two is there's real prosperity. Proverbs eleven twenty five. A generous man will prosper he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That there's real prosperity that comes to one that learns to be generous. And can I say this today? I'm not saying today you need to go give a million dollars somebody. I'm saying learn how to impact someone's life with an act of kindness out of the generosity of your heart. Number three, it will leave a legacy of impact. 
When you live a generous life, you're leaving a legacy of impact upon the generations to follow you. In Psalms 37, 25, and 26, it said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed out begging for bread. They are always generous, and their children will be blessed. And can I tell you today, my blessing that I live in today is the fruit of a father that was a very generous man. My dad would never made much money, but he gave of everything he had. And people talked at my dad's funeral about how much he blessed them. He gave to them. He did for them. He was a generous man. And the blessing that my family gets to enjoy today was passed down. And we're passing that down to our children. And all of my children are blessed with beautiful homes and, and jobs. And, and God has blessed them. And, and yes, they work hard. But I want to tell you something. They're spiritual about a gener if there's generational curses, there's also generational blessings. And when you live a generous life, I'm leaving legacy for my children. Because my father and mom passed it down to us, and we're going to keep that thing going. And it works. It works. Number four, yeah, I got to clap on that one too. Number four is the next benefit is there's impact with honor. Impact with honor. Because here's what Jesus said in 1 Samuel. It's in your notes. Those who honor me, I'll honor too. God will honor you. He will honor you. And my father did not die a wealthy man, but he, honored a, he died a man of honor. And at my father's funeral, there were so many people there. It was amazing. And yet not one person, everyone was saying the same thing. Not one person, Dan, that ever met your father could ever say a negative word about him. Amen. Not one person could ever say a negative word about your dad because he lived a life of honor. He honored every person that was around him. He treated every person that met him with respect. And anything he could do for anybody, he did it. Your dad was a man of honor. And I want to tell you something. When we live a, a life of generosity, we create a spirit of honor about us. And you know what? It's not just honoring us. It's honoring God in us. And when God gets honored in us, he said, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor you back. And then last of all, there's treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. That when we live a life of generosity here on this earth, 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19 is in your notes, says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures. And when you and I come and we sow, we sow, we sow into people through our, our time, our money, our acts of kindness, our generosity, we're storing up treasures in heaven. Let me share with you just a little bit of what your giving did. Uh, we had a team that just got back from Peru that we sent to Peru. Here's some of our folks in there. There's little Sarah and her sister and Ryan. He's in the spirit. And uh, there's Daniel. There's Anthony. And they were all there in, in Peru. And we found out because I've been over to Peru there at this place. And there's over 600,000 homeless orphan children just in Lima, Peru alone, living in the garbage dumps and on the streets in Peru. And, and we have this team that go there every year. And we found out that the kids had a request. And the request was they needed some new, and they did. They needed some new shoes because many of them have no shoes. The ones they have are all busted up. And they wanted some Nikes. And so this church with three other churches teamed up and got with a Nike outlet. And we got a super deal on some Nike shoes for kids. And and you guys give so well on Sundays through your tithe and your extra giving for missions. 
We bought hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pairs of Nike shoes for these kids at such a discounted rate, and they gave them out to these kids in Peru. Now watch this. Here's little Sarah, and you can see some of their shoes. They hadn't got them yet, and they were teaching them the love of Jesus. Here's the place, and here's the girl. Here were her old shoes. There's her new shoes because of your giving, your generosity, impacting lives. But you know what? They were given new shoes, but the shoes was just the way to sit down with them and go, these came from Jesus through some people that loved you. Let us tell you about the love of Jesus. And many children and their parents came to Jesus in the last two weeks in Peru. Come on, let's give him one more praise. And so I, I want to close today by saying this to you, that there's no greater life to live than the generous life caring about other people and helping meet their needs within the gifts and the abilities that God has placed within you. And when you do, God says, I've got blessing and favor and honor to come back on your life in Jesus' name. How many receive God's word today? Amen. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for your love, for your amazing grace in our lives. Father, I pray over every person here today that, God, you will help us, starting with me. God, help me be more compassionate, more caring, more observing. God, help me to be more willing to give of my love, of my resources, of my time, my abilities, of my money. Help me, God, to be more open to share. I pray, God, that you'll help us as a body God, we'll reach this community and we'll touch it, God. Not through, it's not going to come through a crusade revival. It's going to come through everyday living out the gospel, caring, sharing the love of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray over this body today that you will bless us and let us serve you in a greater way. While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, if you're here, you say, Pastor Dan, I'm here right now and I'm hearing you talk about the love of Jesus and right now in my life, I need a change. I, I need to make a change. I, I need to come to Jesus and I just want to give him everything today. I realize today how much he loves me. And I just want you to pray for me today, Pastor. Just pray for me that, that I'll make that total commitment to him. If that's you right now, I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to pray for you. If that's you right now, would you just slip a hand up right where you sit? God bless you. Hands going up all over the building. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else, you can put your hand down. God bless you, sir. I just need Jesus in my life today. Ready for that change, Pastor. Anyone else before we pray? You need Jesus in your life. If you raise your hand or you did not and you say, I need Christ today, Pastor, I'm ready for that change. Pray this prayer with me. We're gonna pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. And believe in my heart that you raised from the dead, I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead. And right now, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, you join me and let's congratulate these that have prayed today.